0: Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in our faith and understanding of God's word, and serve Jesus here in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to join us for either of our two services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. We are beginning a new sermon series this morning, walking through the book of Psalms. Now, we're not going to have time over the next several weeks to cover all the Psalms. Obviously, it obviously takes take us uh, a few years to do that, so we're going to kind of take it in sections. I, I've been praying about kind of what to do now between here and Christmas, Uh, We just came out of the series on life groups. Again, I'll just encourage you, challenge you if you've not found a life group yet to do that, uh, to be involved in a smaller group of people that's studying God's Word uh, on a regular basis. So coming out of that, I just kind of prayed and and thought about where the Lord would lead us, and I just kept coming back to the book of Psalms. Uh, I've preached individual Psalms before over the years, but never through a series, and so we're going to kind of walk through these Psalms one at a time between here and Christmas Now, just a couple of interesting things about the book of Psalms as you're kind of preparing and and finding this in your Bible. Psalms is the the longest uh, book of the Old Testament by chapter, and the interesting thing about the book of Psalms we're going to see this morning especially is that the New Testament, when it's talking about Scripture and it's referring back and it's quoting the Bible, it quotes from the book of Psalms more than any other book in the Old Testament, Remember, when the writers of the New Testament are talking about the Scripture, right? This is interesting for us to think about. When the writers of Scripture are talking about Scripture and they're looking back, there was no New Testament for them to quote. So anytime they talk about the Scripture or they're quoting the Scriptures, they're always looking at the Old Testament, and they quote the book of Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. Now, Psalms is a song book. In fact, it's a book of hymns. These were written to sing. Most scholars believe they were sung in worship. People would get together and sing these and, and uh, worship the Lord through them. Uh, there are at least 75 of these written by David, some by Moses, some by Solomon, and it was written over the period of about 1,000 years Right. Now, one of the neat things about the book of Psalms that we'll see this morning and uh, we'll really understand over the next several weeks as we walk through this is that the word praise appears in Psalms over and over and over again. In fact, over 200 times the word praise appears, right? Because these are songs of praise. These are songs looking at the glory of the Lord. These are songs designed to watch. This is important. Designed for us to see and understand the majesty of the Lord. And it should lead us at that point to a place of worship. Now, I'm going to challenge you as we go through these over the next several weeks. I'm going to challenge you that the week we study each one of these psalms, this is week eight, that you spend some time the remainder of that week reading it, maybe studying through it on your own, reciting out loud, praying it, right? You can pray the psalms back to the Lord. Uh, You can even memorize if you want to. But I want to encourage you, we're going to go through Psalm 8 this morning, this coming week, right, Monday until next Sunday, you can spend time rereading it, you can spend time memorizing it, kind of putting the the Lord's word in your heart and allowing him just to work in that process to mold you and shape you. Like I find personally, the more time I spend in God's word, the more time I study his word, the more he works in and through me. So having said that, let's just jump right in this morning. Psalm chapter eight, there are only nine verses, so we're gonna do something a little bit different this morning. I'm gonna have you read this aloud with me. Now, as you read it, we're gonna talk here in just a few minutes about how Psalm eight is divided, but this is poetry. And so we're gonna notice uh, words that are repeated, themes that are repeated, ideas that we see over and over again that'll help us figure out exactly what David is writing here, and exactly how we apply it to our lives. So let's read this out loud. Psalm chapter eight, beginning in verse one. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers The birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Here's the first truth I want you to get this morning. Number one, this is all about praise. It's all about his majesty and power. Number one, we praise the Lord because his glory is displayed in all the earth. We praise the Lord because his glory is displayed in all the earth. Now, this psalm is written by David. Seventy-five or so others were written by him as well. And let's consider David just for a second. Right? We think about David as a king, a powerful leader, a powerful warrior. Those things are all true. But before David became king, David was just a little shepherd boy. And I just envision David out in the fields at night, alone with the sheep, no lights, of course, pitch darkness, and he's looking up to the stars and he's seeing the majesty and the glory of the Lord. In fact, he writes in Psalm 19, chapter 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge, right? So we we see this idea in this Psalm, the majesty, the glory, the power of the Lord. And I want you to look how David does this, right? We talk about repetition, like what are words that he uses? What are phrases that he uses over and over again to help us understand the point he's trying to make? So I want to point out just a few to you this morning. If you're taking notes, you can underline these in your Bible. Psalm chapter eight, verse one. And we've got these on the screen underlined as well. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse six, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet. Verse seven, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field. Verse nine, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Right. So we get phrases like all the earth, all things, we see all of the animals. We understand here that the Lord is in control of all things. Now watch, this matters because it's very easy for us to think, okay, great, he's in charge of all the universe and all the earth and all people, right? Kind of big picture, but let's narrow this down and let's be reminded that God is in control of all the things in our life as well. All of our finances, all of the situations at work, all of the things we're dealing with at home, all of our thoughts, right? The Lord is Lord over all of these things. And it's very easy for us to separate and think he's in control of big things and forget he's in control of little things. We need to be reminded that all the things in your life fall under the rulership of the Lord. Now, I talked in the first service about this. This is one of these areas that... that that uh, even as a pastor, sometimes I struggle with, it. and I know it's not true, but sometimes my flesh feels this way. I kind of think of God when I'm when I'm praying to God. Uh, I kind of think about God as uh, I've got kind of this uh, jar full of prayers, right? Prayers that I can pray to the Lord, and so I, I falsely sometimes think that I'm going to save just the big things for God, right? There's a lot of little things going on, and I think like this: I'm not going to waste the Lord's time on the little things. As if I've got a, a quota, I've got a certain number of prayers here in this jar, and once all those things are used up, there's no more prayer for the Lord. And so therefore I'm just going to save these prayers in this jar for the big things and all the little things, I'll just kind of deal with them on. My own. But what we see scripturally instead is that the Lord is the Lord of all the earth, and all things are under His control. That means the big things and the little things. That should change our perspective, right, in the way we see our lives. That should change our perspective in the way that we view work, the way that we view our prayers, the way that we view our home life, right? He's the King of kings, Lord of lords. And in fact, David says this at the beginning and the end of this psalm, right? Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse 9, the same thing, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, right? So, so he's driving to this point, right? We need to see this, right? He's talking about all things, All creation, all people, all animals, big things, little things are under the control of the Lord. And then he does something different. He uses all these words to talk about the the glory and, and the power and the majesty of God. So for example, in verse one, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse two, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength Because of your foes. Verse 5, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 9 again, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Right? We we get this idea, and this is important, right? God is majestic and powerful and holy, and he is in control of all things. Right? Now that's the foundation, that's the big picture. Now, let's whittle this down a little more closely. I want you to look at verse three, four, and five. Here's what the Lord says. When I look at your heavens, or here's what David says. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you set in place, right? So in other words, I'm seeing the glory. I'm seeing the majesty. I'm seeing your creation. He asks a very interesting question in verse four. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly things and crowned him with glory and honor and given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet, right? So big picture, we praise the Lord because of his majesty, because of his glory, because he's created all the earth. Here's the second truth I want you to see. We praise the Lord because he has crowned us with glory and with honor. We praise the Lord because he has crowned us with glory and honor. interesting what we do here, right? This is poetry, right? The Psalms are written as poems, and so structure matters here, right? Words of repetition matter, structure matters, and so what we've got here is kind of on the outside, verses one and two and three, and then seven, eight, and nine speak about the glory of the Lord, his power, his majesty, and then kind of sandwiched right in the middle of everything is this question, What is man that you're mindful of him? It's a fair question to ask, isn't it? When we think about the majesty of the Lord, we think about the glory of the Lord, we think about his power, who are we that we should mean anything to him, right? Anybody ever been hiking out west or been out west and seen the mountains? Anybody? Some hands, yeah, nods up. I love going out west. I've had the, the privilege of, over the years of going to my family and I've taken my kids a few times and done some hiking out there. And I, I love the Rocky Mountains. They're, they're large and they're beautiful and snow-capped and very different than anything we see around here. But, but you understand mountains are kind of interesting. If you've ever driven out west especially, you can see the Rocky Mountains from a long way off. Right? You come through the Great Plains and you're looking west and many, 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 many hours before you arrive at any of the Rocky Mountains, uh, you can see them. And they're just these tiny little things way out on the horizon. You're like, that's nothing, man. I thought they were supposed to be beautiful and majestic, right? And as you drive closer and closer, the mountains do something kind of interesting. They get bigger and bigger, don't they? And if you've ever hiked in the Rocky Mountains, I'll never forget when I was out in uh, Rocky Mountain National Park several years ago and we're hiking up to Longs Peak. If you stand in Estes Park and you look up into Rocky Mountain National Park, you can see Longs Peak way off in the distance. It's real small, it's real small and it's kind of easy looking, doesn't look too powerful, right? But you put 40 pounds on your back, right? And you hike 15 miles into the wilderness towards Long's Peak. The closer you get to that peak, the bigger it gets, right? And you get up to above 10,000 feet and there's nothing growing up there and it's rocky and it looks like the moon and you camp out in what they call the boulder field at the base of Long's Peak and you're looking at the face of this just massive mountain and you realize how difficult it was to get there and how you're barely even halfway up to the summit and how hard it's going to be to get to the top. You begin to understand that mountain is pretty powerful and pretty big and I'm not, right? It's like that with the Lord. If you're distant from the Lord, man, if this is just something you do on Sunday and you're like, man, whatever, and put it on the shelf, get it off every now and then, right, get the dust off before you come to church Sunday. If you think this is not a big deal and God's kind of off in the distance, then he probably is pretty small to you. You're like, eh. But if you start spending time in his word and you get to know him a little bit more, and you begin to understand exactly who he is, and you see his power and his majesty and his glory, the Lord becomes more and more majestic and more and more powerful and more and more wonderful and more and more holy. He is God, and I am not, right? And so there's this question right in the middle of Psalm 8. Man, he's created everything. He's done all this stuff. Who am I? that he would even care about me. And then we see this very interesting answer that the Lord gives us, this very interesting answer to thinking about exactly what he's done for us. Pull up verse five, if you would, right? There's this question about who is man? Why should we care? Why should the Lord care? And here's what he says. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and watch, and crowned him with glory and with honor. I've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating We are created in the image of God. So we have value, not because of what we've done or what we think or what we can accomplish. We've been created in the image of God with purpose as part of his plan. We have value. We've been given in his words, glory and honor and been placed over all of the other things of creation. right? And so we see this biblical truth here, right? That God is great and majestic and powerful and the creator of all things. And yet, in the center of all that, he's created us in his image and he's given us value. Now, some of y'all might not mean a whole lot to you, but there are others, I promise you right now, and maybe at home especially, that are struggling with this idea. And when I say struggling with it, you're like, what's my worth? Or what's my purpose? Or maybe it's something like this. I'm not good enough or or I'm not smart enough or I don't have friends or you kind of fill in the blank And, and the devil is very good about tricking us and lying to us, watch now, and devaluing who we are. Now, we we live in a society that seems to devalue life more and more. The enemy uses that to attack us, lie to us, trick us. We, We need to be reminded of this very simple yet profound truth. We have been created in his image, right? We are image bearers at the top of all creation. And things come under our dominion and under our rule. And God has created us with purpose And with a plan. That's neat what he does here, right? He kind of sandwiches this in, right? If you read the first few verses of Psalm 8 and the last few verses of Psalm 8, you get this sense of exactly who the Lord is, power, majesty, glory. And right in the middle of that, he's created us in his image with purpose, with a plan, right? It's kind of like that in life. Here we are doing our thing, surrounded by the power and the majesty of the Lord. And the sooner we can figure out exactly what he's calling us to do and do it, the more we're going to be able to work for him and work in his kingdom and accomplish the things that he's called us to accomplish. One writer said it like this, human power is always bounded and surrounded by divine praise right in the middle of all the things that he did, right in the middle of his glory, he put us. And he created us in his image and he created us with purpose, right? And so that leads us to this point of his greatness, our weakness, his plan wrapped up in his glory and majesty should lead us to this place of praise and worship. thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for leading me in my life to do the things you've called me to do, to be the person you've called me to be. right, it leads us to praise. Now, here's the third truth. We're gonna wind this down because we're getting to the Lord's Supper in just a minute. I wanna kind of tie all this together for you. Here's the third truth I want you to get this morning. Number three, we praise the Lord because Jesus reigns as the King of Kings. All right, praise him for his majesty. Praise him that he's created us in honor and glory. Truth number three, we praise the Lord because Jesus reigns as the King of Kings. Now, some of you might be thinking, now, wait a minute, Adam, This is the Old Testament. There's nothing in here about Jesus, right? And and I hope one of the things you've learned about me over the years is I'm going to take the Scripture and I'm going to teach from the Scripture and we're going to work verse by verse. And you might be saying, listen, I don't see anywhere in Psalm chapter 8 that mentions Jesus. His name's not in there. Why are you now bringing Jesus into this equation? Well, first of all, let's remember the big picture here. All of the Old Testament looks ahead to Jesus, right prophecy after prophecy story after story looking ahead to Christ looking ahead to what Jesus is going to accomplish and one of the neat things we say see about the new testament is that it looks back on the old testament it looks back and helps us understand exactly what the lord is doing even hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born and so one of the neat things we see in scripture is that several new testament authors quote Psalm chapter 8 when they're talking about Jesus. Very interesting. So, for example, when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesus chapter 1, let me just read for you Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. This is where we are this morning. Here's what it says. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. That's Psalm 8, verse 6. Ephesians 1:21, talking about Jesus says he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all, right? So Paul quotes Psalm chapter eight referring to Jesus. Jesus himself when he enters Jerusalem for the final time. right, Triumphal entry, he walks into the city, he goes to the temple. Jesus himself is gonna quote Psalm chapter eight, verse two. Here's what it says in Matthew 21. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they, these are the religious leaders, the chief priests, were indignant. They were angry. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? And now he's going to quote Psalm 8 out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Right? The book of Hebrews has the longest quote of Psalm chapter 8 in all the New Testament, speaking again of Christ. And his greatness and all that he's accomplished for us, right? We see time and time again that Psalm chapter eight is used as a prophecy looking ahead to Jesus, reminding us not only of what God did in the Old Testament and the creation and the majesty and the glory, but looking ahead now to all Jesus is going to accomplish on the cross for us and for our salvation. Now, we've said all these things, right? There's this sense of the majesty and the glory of the Lord. There's the idea that we've been created within that for purpose, created in his image. All the while, we're looking ahead to Jesus and what Jesus is going to accomplish for us. Now, we're going to move into this time of Lord's Supper. We're going to move into this time of reflection and, and personal examination, but especially of remembrance, now, I'm going to give you some instructions in just a few minutes. Don't put your stuff up. I see you. I see you. Don't put it up yet. Give me a second. Just cool out. Give me 30 more seconds. Y'all like. Give me a second. When we have this time of Lord's Supper in just a few minutes, we're going to give you a time of reflection, right? I want you to be intentional. It's easy for our minds to wander. Right? We have to train our minds sometimes to do these things. I want you to be intentional in a couple of things. The first one is examination. I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. You're going to examine your heart. But the other thing I want you to do is be mindful of the majesty and the glory of the Lord. Praising his name for his creation. Praising his name that he's created us in his image with purpose. Praising his name that from the beginning he had a plan through Jesus to redeem the world back to himself. Right? So that leads us to a place of praise and worship and reflection, right? He's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's majestic, he's powerful, he's holy, he deserves our praise. Okay, now let's pray. Father, thank you again for Psalm chapter eight, Father, for this clear picture of your majesty and glory and power. And now, Lord, as we move into a time of invitation and then to Lord's Supper, may you, Lord, reign supreme in our thoughts right now, in our hearts Help us to be mindful, to remember what Jesus did, to be mindful, Lord, of your greatness and your glory and your majesty, that we're created within that, in your image, for purpose, with a plan, all the while remembering what Jesus accomplished. Father, help us in this moment of reflection to praise you, to worship you. May you receive all honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.